Inshallah, I hope you're having a wonderful day. Just want to share some quick, exciting news. I have a new ebook out. It's called Marriage Advice for Single Muslimers. If you have been thinking about marriage and you have questions that you need answering, such as, once I get married, will I lose my freedom? What are the red flags I should look out for? What's a halal way of finding a prospective spouse? How can I get to know someone without dating? How do I know if he is the one? If they are the type of questions that you have, or maybe you have a friend or a sister who is thinking of marriage, but she needs some answers, then the book, Marriage Advice for Single Muslimers, is the book for you. You can purchase it at smartmuslimer.com. In total, I have answered 28 questions, and these are mainly, they're the most common questions that I have been receiving from sisters when I have done the Muslim Marriage Masterclass, and then when I, I am, they fill in the survey that's on my website. So take a look, it's uh, smartmuslimer.com. I have got the link in the podcast notes as well, and I'd love to get your feedback on it on the book as well. and welcome back to Muslimer Mindset. Um, if you're new here, my name is Farad Amin, I'm your host, and in today's episode, we will be exploring the question of how are you going to fall in love? So this is a discussion for adults, so if there are any kids around um, who can hear, I would suggest that you either pop your headphones on or um, listen to this later on when they're not around, inshallah. Um, so, okay, now, growing up in the UK and US, we all know that, um, I think we can all safely say this, that we are drip-fed a particular narrative when it comes to marriage. Sorry, when it comes to love as well. And the majority of books, um, if you think of book fairy tales that we read, um, cartoons, that's not just Disney, that's like all the kind of cartoons, you know, that um, we watch when we were little, TV shows and then movies. They, there's like one main message that's coming across and um, and basically it goes something like this, where at some point you meet someone, you, you know, that could be at high school, that can be in college, um, and you get to know them. And the way that you get to know them is that you go on dates, you text each other, you flirt in the office, you know, it's, that, that's the way it's all shown to us. And then once you've got to know that person, um, after a few years, preferably, um, you can get married. Now, that's how we are told we should fall in love. Um, and, and the thing is that this is quite a, it, this is what happens mainly in liberal secular societies. I'm not sure if this, what it's like in the Muslim world because I wasn't raised there, but that seems to be the only acceptable option that's on the menu when it comes to love and relationships. And interestingly, um, as we now know, it's not, you know, you don't even need to get married anymore. That to, to just live with your partner is okay. And then also having same-sex relationships is, is now, now that's become cool as well. So that's what we're being told or we're being, you know, that's being, um, you know, kind of ingrained into our psyche. And so, and on top of that, the worst mistake a woman can make is that you marry the first guy that you like 
or you know you rush into something and um, because there's this idea that somehow you need to have all this experience and have many boyfriends and then somehow you're going to be able to choose so if that's what we are being you know as muslim women we're living in this society that's telling us this um i think we should stop and, and pause and test the validity of that narrative and so alhamdulillah um i have um sister here today guest mashallah her name's Hira hashmi she's 23 year old uh, she's a graduate in uh, molecular biology and she's currently working in research based out of the bay area that's in us um, she also serves as marketing director for traversing tradition and um, her interests include islamic sciences linguistics and bioethics now um Hira recently got married so she's pretty much she's pretty qualified to talk about the subject of love and marriage so assalamu alaikum Hira. wa alaikum assalam how are you alhamdulillah i'm well how are you today i'm doing well alhamdulillah thank you for having me on um can you please tell us a bit about traversing tradition before we get on to um the podcast topic yeah, of course. Um, Traversing Tradition is an online publication where we look at issues surrounding um, the modern world, modernity, liberalism, secularism, and really trying to dismantle its symptoms through um, an Islamic framework, inshallah, that's, that's our intention. So um, we host work from people around the world, um, looking at everything from politics and representation to neoliberalism to philosophy um so do check it out if you're interested in any of those topics mm -hmm. and so basically there are articles about those subjects that that's what what you can find on the website yes okay but and can i just ask so why why did um you begin working them and why did why did traversing tradition even start so it started um, when there was a group of us that kind of met each other online and we were having a lot of these discussions informally on social media. Um, I was in college at the time and so I was getting to a point where I was really becoming disillusioned by a lot of the uh, promises that um, feminism, liberalism, secularism was making and I wanted to find a way to really explore more and to understand what it means to be a Muslim in the modern world. Mm -hmm. um, so when we realized that these discussions were happening and there are more people than we thought that were interested in this, we decided to kind of formalize it and make a platform where Muslims could come and have these discussions in a very um, polite but critical manner. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, being a part of that journey honestly has very helped. It has helped a lot uh, with my own um, spirituality and understanding of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and just trying to navigate, you know, um, today's world with a sense of uh, dignity, with a sense of izza and just belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm -hmm. Okay, alhamdulillah, I think that sounds excellent. Um, so yes, that's traversingtradition.com, inshallah, that, that's where we can, you can find out more. So, so alhamdulillah, so, you, so you've, you heard what I said at the beginning, do you, do you, um, do you agree with that, that we're being um, young women, to be honest, Muslim or non-Muslim really, that we're being bombarded this, with this one particular narrative about love? Yes, I agree with this. Um, in university, one of the biggest gripes I had was this kind of boss girl attitude um, or narrative we were being served that, you know, women can do everything and you can be, you know, you, have, you can be a career woman and then 
you know, a family, you can also have a family, but that's kind of left for later. That's kind of a, you know, afterthought. And for me, I knew that I wanted to pursue further education. I knew that I was someone that really wanted to continue studying, but at the same time, I didn't like having to feel like I had to sacrifice family and mother for motherhood for it. And that was something that I realized pretty quickly that a lot of young women around me are feeling a little bit of the same way, that pressure of, you know, okay, we need to continue this career thing, but we need to, you know, we need to follow this path at all costs and finding a good brother and starting a family. Those are things that can be overlooked. And, um, you know, you know, it's, it's kind of like an afterthought, you know, we'll just, mm -hmm any like you're kind of defined by the number of men who come after you you just kind of mess around and then you know mm. the, the serious thing will come later mm. um and you'd be surprised at how you know that sounds like something only the brothers face this idea of like we're just messing around and but the sisters also feel a little bit of this pressure of like oh this girl's dating this person so i need to have someone just as a side thing um while i while i focus on my career Mm -hmm. Right, I see. And so now, now you, Alhamdulillah, you chose not to do that. Mashallah, after you graduated, you then got married at the age of 21. And um, would you say that, is that a common choice that young Muslim women will, will take or is that slightly unusual? In my context, it was slightly unusual because, um, you know, and there's good reason for it. There's a, you know, there's a little bit of concern on, you know, ensuring that women finish their education and, you know, they're able to, um, you know, complete. My dad was very much an advocate for you want to, yes, you, inshallah, one day you'll have a family and you'll have a husband to depend on, but I want you to be able to have your own education and, and stand up on your own two feet if need be. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, that's kind of in our community, that's, that's the route that people take is usually waiting until after you graduate and and work for a little while um and then once you're in your mid-20s or late 20s that's when people start to you know look to get married and for me i didn't want to put it off because one it is difficult in today's society to avoid the fitna um mm -hmm. as we say, quote unquote the fitna right um and uh and not fall into this you know environment of dating and you know casual interaction with the opposite gender and I also wanted I had this mindset of I want to grow with someone I don't want to wait until I'm done growing um, and arguably that never happens right this idea of we have to be at our best before we start to get to look for someone I wanted to marry someone that I could grow with uh, that we could support each other in our in our in our ambitions with and so that's why I started looking quite early on or my family did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's um, that's true. That the, it's interesting that, um, and we'll talk about this a bit more in a sec later. About there seems to be a roadmap within Muslim families. There seems to be set times when this is when you should get a degree. This is when you should get a job, and this is when you should get married. And certain boxes that have to be ticked. But now the thing is that uh, on you know. Um, on university campuses and on, in colleges, the atmosphere there is like really geared towards dating. Um, and so it's such an easy option for Muslims to choose as well. And so um, did you find that that's, that's what Muslim men and women were choosing to do? 
Yeah, I, you know, I don't like to perpetuate this idea of like our parents don't understand X, Y, Z, but I do think this is one area where there is a little bit of disconnect. Um, our age is very unique, you know, age of globalization, atomization. We don't have the um, the tribal network ties that people would normally have in, in terms of looking for a spouse. And then on top of that, you're in an environment that's very sexualized, um, where almost everyone around you, um, you know, has had, uh, you know, sexual relations mm -hmm. uh, multiple times. Um, on top of that, you know, depression, loneliness is at an all-time high. Um, so when you look at all of these factors, it's it's like you're you're moving against the tide to to reject that and to want to stick to Islamic principles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is. I know. I think the um, it. You're right. No one's criticizing parents for for not understanding. That just basically the environment that their kids are studying in and, and because it's interesting going to college in high school is no it's not just about learning is it you're, you're not just learning maths and science that there are ideas um, which you mentioned that Traverse and Traditions tackles that, that, that we're also being taught in schools so for example what would you um, you know when um, for your average Muslim you know young Muslim girl who's at high school or university what is it that she is um, being told as far as her life and, you know, the kind of ideas that are alien to Islam? In high school, it was interesting um, because one of the biggest issues I noticed, you know, myself and others facing was when it came to beauty. And I think when you're in those peak years of adolescence and you're starting to learn about, you know, you know, romance and relationships, the biggest gripe that I have with you know the western dating standards is it is it is so hypersexualized and you learn to inculcate this idea of my worth and self-value is really dependent on how many guys I can attract um, and how beautiful I look um, and and this led you know some people to taking off the hijab or or you know even if they didn't believe you know and and, and wanted to stick to Islamic principles they felt like they had to lower them in order to attract a man mm -hmm. um, and, and it became this self-destructive cycle um, that really, that really is really just upsetting to look at when you see these young girls who have so much potential, but these pressures and the, you know, peer pressure and all these factors where they feel like they have to give up their Islam in order to live among their peers. Mm -hmm. I know because this is it that to you know um like i'm thinking i'm not even thinking about hijab to be honest it's because really, yeah. it, the way that i see it now it's because i used to work in high schools and you're right that, that um um teenagers are so conscious of um, fitting in and they don't want to be the odd one out but then again it's not just teenagers but it goes on as you get older that they will girls will change the way they look the way they behave and they'll like you know you, you read studies about how non-muslim girls will they they will um you know sleep with guys when they don't want to or they'll do certain acts that they don't didn't want to but if it means keeping their boyfriend they will do those things and so it's uh only inevitable that muslim girls will do that as well um and then but then they're not respected at all once the guys get what they want it, they just dump them that, that's what happens and that's yeah. you're right that's the tragic part of it yeah, they're left with lingering promises of, you know, 
I, I can't count how many times I've heard of a situation of where a sister was told that, you know, oh, I'm serious, I'm going to come to your parents. And, you know, it, it never happens. And once the guy gets what he wants, he leaves and it's left with, you know, you're left with heartbreak, you're left with um, just a tragedy. I think you put it perfectly when you said it's, it's tragic, honestly. Hmm. Um, but then this is now this is the um the lie isn't it that that's a reality what we just described that's what really happens but the mm -hmm. way it's painted and presented is so disingenuous and it's um that that's what really annoys me um that the girls are being given this kind of like like kind of sparkly fairy tale that, oh this is how a guy a guy will come to your house and bollywood's just as bad as hollywood if not oh. worse for you know for asian girls uh, asian looking girls should i say mm -hmm. um so then if um, I'm thinking that, that then like the, but then when the girl, young Muslim girls are looking at what are their options, they then think, well, I don't want to get, have an arranged marriage the way that, you know, a bad arranged marriage, the way that, and they see that, see those arranged marriages around them. And they're thinking, and I've heard girls say this to me, that but how am I supposed to then get to know a guy mm -hmm. who I want to marry? The only way, or the only option I have is to date them. I see, yeah you know subhanallah i just had a friend who i spoke with recently and she echoed similar thoughts where you know it it feels like an impossible situation because on the one hand you know i don't you know want to be in a situation where i'm marrying someone i've never met even once but at the same time i don't want to lower my standards i don't want to have to compromise because the kinds of guys that attracts are guys that you know aren't aren't the guys you want being your husband or your the father of your children mm -hmm. right um, and you know, that's something that I want, I really want to emphasize to young girls who are looking to get married is it is not worth it. It's not worth sacrificing who you are. It's not sacrifice. It's not worth sacrificing the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, um, for anything in this dunya. And it is absolutely painful and it is absolutely difficult, but you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up doors for you. Um, but you know, settling for someone who who does not you know is just not on the same page as you dean wise um you know value wise is it's opening the door to heartbreak down the line could you do with some relationship advice if so then you need to sign up to my newsletter at smartmuslima.com and i will send you my ebook called learn your love languages it teaches you how to communicate better with your loved ones so there's no reason to wait sign up to my newsletter today inshallah mm -hmm. yeah and this is it it's trying we need to think further down the line that we're we're so used to now getting instant gratification and and that's what we're told we should do but you know we don't um act on based on our just on our heart and it's given us a mind and, and i guess that's what so important to stop and think that what am i doing that if if i'm thinking of you know dating or you know getting a boyfriend or, or thinking and i think that's it thinking that somehow that is a better option when it like in the UK, the divorce the people who are choosing that option, the divorce rate in the UK is one out of fifty um, percent basically of marriages in the UK end in divorce, and that's them choosing to you know they've fought in quotes fallen in love, dated had the whole romance and then got married, 
but then 50% of them are getting divorced. So that has to say something about how, whether this, this method is working or not. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Um, in the US, the divorce rate is a little bit higher than 50%, which means that the majority of couples are divorcing and a minority of them are, you know, due to, you know, reasons like abuse and things like that. But the majority cite, you know, irreconcilable differences as the reason for divorce. And, you know, when we come, when we as Muslims in the West, when we say that, well, you know, you know, Islamic, quote unquote, Islamic guidelines are outdated and backwards. You know, where, where's the evidence that the the system today is working? We're offered this glitzy, glamorous idea of dating, and then the marriage itself is very toxic. Um, and and it's not even, you know, from a place of trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, so where is the win there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, exactly. And it's, and I think, um, you know, when we, um, this, this expectation, one of the, um, the whole facade of, of dating is that when um, uh, people are just presenting like the best, um, you know, version of themselves as, as it looks, how honest and real are people being? Like, you don't get to see um, what life would be like if you were genuinely living with someone. All you get to see is the, is the version they um you know it's it's like the photos that they're sending you of course they're face tuned and they're photoshopped and and i think one of the things that also is driving you know what you're saying about how girls will change you know that they'll what i've really noticed and i is that girls will just very immodestly to get the attention of guys that's how you get their attention um and, but then the thing is that the girl, where are guys getting this view of women and it's the as we know there's an epidemic of you know pornography addiction in, in western society it's interesting it's not spoken about that much um but when men and young boys are watching pornography and that's muslim and non-muslim um when they're watching this stuff their view of what a woman should look like and what a young girl should look like and what will attract them has dras is drastically affected by pornography yeah the, the statistics are kind of harrowing i think I, if I remember correctly, it's almost three quarters of young men. So, the, you know, the age is 18 to 25 visit a porn site at least once a month. And, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking to see that because it, one, it really, um, it causes a detriment on intimacy and just the ability to connect with a real person. Um, when you have these expectations, I mean, these are actors, they are not what you're seeing is not real um yes. it's all acting it's um it's an exaggeration the women themselves you know heavily make you know made up plastic surgery um and you know and then you look at women today and majority of women do not look like that right mm -hmm. so when you're approaching dating in marriage with these false expectations obviously you will be disappointed um love is not the glitzy glamorous vision that you see anywhere mm -hmm. um and you know people leave their relationships because it doesn't it doesn't you know meet these high expectations but those high expectations unrealistic rather right having expectations is not a bad thing but these unrealistic expectations i mean what what did we anticipate would ha happen otherwise right mm -hmm. um we really need to look at the roots of these high expectations we need to look at you know why are we approaching marriage with this idea of we need to know the person completely and we need to have had you know this relationship with them before we can commit you know and this is why 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I, I, I love the beauty in Islam it, where it's if you want to be with a woman, if you want to be a man, you have to be willing to commit 100%. You don't get to enjoy, you know, the intimacy. You don't get to enjoy the companionship unless you're willing to be there completely 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is it. Because what really in reality, dating is, it's you're going, you're allowing your lust to drive your actions. That That's what... That's the bottom line. And as Muslims, we don't allow our instincts. We don't, you know, that's not how we live. We don't live based on our instincts are driving us and are in control of us. You know, when there's the Hadith, I'm paraphrasing that, you know, the life of this world for a non-Muslim is like Jannah because they can do whatever they want. But for a Muslim, it's like a jail where we've got these bars and the bars are the laws of Allah. So we have to as Muslims, we control ourselves and so when it comes to love it's it's not lust it's you know it's a pure love that Allah has described so, so then if we so this idea then that can a Muslim um, or you know or a guy to be honest can they fall in love before marriage is that possible mm. this is a tricky question that I've thought about because I a lot of people will point to had to the hadith about, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, the hadith about, you know, the best thing for two people who love each other is to get married. Oh, okay. I, yeah. I haven't heard that, actually, to be honest. Yeah, actually, I want to be careful oh, about Okay. I don't, I don't know. Again, I don't want to... Yeah, know, yeah, like, of course, I understand. Yeah, but maybe we... But, okay, even if we were thinking... Yeah, so what do you understand about that? Yeah, so, so I guess, I mean, I guess if you want to remove that part, but... Um, so people will point to, you know, examples of our history, I guess I could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you know, is that love? Because the way that I understand it is if you're following, you know, like you said, you, you can't truly know someone unless you live with them and spend time with them. And as a Muslim, you know, there's, there's inherently a certain limit to how much you can, quote unquote, know a potential spouse before you get married. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of prevents you from feeling that like deep love, like, you know, the love that I see in my parents after mm-hmm. being married for pretty much a quarter of a decade, that kind of love is not going to be there, you know, if you've only talked a few times, especially being supervised. Lust, yes. Uh, affection, yes. Uh, maybe even liking, yes. But we really need to think about what do we mean by love? And, you know, ask ourselves, why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put such stringent guidelines on gender gender interaction? And I used to be a little bit, you know, not confused, but I would, I would kind of look at that and be like, oh my God, you know, how is it possible that I'm going to, you know, meet a guy and get to know him and then, you know, agree to marry him when I don't feel that affection. But now being on the other side of that and tasting the sweetness of patience and the sweetness of having waited, now I understand why that's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. That it's it's um, uh, that Allah has the wisdom, like uh, trusting in Allah's wisdom. That Allah really does know best when it comes to this situation. That and it's interesting when you hear you hear women regretting that they slept with so many men. I've I've read that in articles. I've, I've read famous you know celebrities saying that that they wish. I think it was Justin Bieber actually. I was listening to a video and uh youtube it. and yeah it was justin bieber saying i wish i had not slept with so many people because he regretted it and it's um there's a really interesting book called return to modesty by wendy shallot 
and again she she's she's a jewish lady um but she, again she was she wasn't particularly religious but she disliked the whole atmosphere at university where she because it was expected that i will just jump into bed with multiple men and she goes and i didn't want to do that and everyone thought i was so weird and odd and such a prude for saying no i don't want to do this and she said her friends were all saying we don't want to do this but we're going to be lonely who wants to be you know you have to give something if you want something um and so yeah this idea of waiting of um you know of having staying pure you know that's what Allah wants from us and like you said only once you get married do you realize oh right I get it why um and, and you couldn't imagine the thought of, of the opposite is just disgusting really isn't it you think how can when people do that it must what must it do to their heads and what does it do to their self-worth yeah and, and it's a it's against our nature to be giving you know you know our our bodies ourselves to mm-hmm strangers you know and and it's interesting that you bring that up because you know people parrot this idea of you know we're a free society now we can do whatever we want women have the choice but when you look on the ground a lot of women do not want that but they feel pressured and so can we really call that a choice you know when they feel like they have to be willing to give up themselves just so you know for one night of you know intimacy right with someone that 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 they don't even know you know can we even call that intimacy yeah exactly it's you know it's called a one night stand for a reason and you know it's um and this is it that the more you think that um when you think about like we could talk about you know um how the number of rapes that happen and the the date the whole idea of a date rape that how you know when those things happen it's so difficult to prosecute the rapist because um it's so great and and the um who do you believe in you don't know who's telling the truth but the majority of the time the rapist gets away with it you know these cases are the the victim does not get justice and um and so and Allah warns us against this and that's why there are like you said the stringent rules they're there to protect us um you know not from not not control us not oppress us the way that it's uh, presented that somehow we're not getting our agency because we're not uh, Allah doesn't allow us to have multiple partners that that's not the way to look at it we need to think when Allah gives us rules they are for our own benefit even if we can't see the wisdom of them mm-hmm. absolutely um you know this idea this assumption that you know any kind of rule or any kind of discipline is mm. oppressive we have to understand, you know, what is freedom if freedom is just following the whims? You're, you're not free. You're, you're either you're a slave to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or you're a servant to your whims, right? And your desires that change every day. They change with the winds of time and you end up in, in, in heartbreak and situations that you would rather avoid, right? So this whole idea of being free in the first place is a little bit contentious because again, you're not free you're still going to be submitting submitting to something you're still going to be submitting to most likely your own desires right Mm -hmm. yeah and it's interesting again just the whole industry that is telling us to do to um you know to to date and do you know let's call a spade a spade to do this these haram actions a lot of it is to make money you know it it, the industry so whether it's the nightclub industry the, the alcohol industry the you know, the whole, you know, Valentine's Day industry, when, you know, it makes a lot of money. And so you do think, well, 
who is benefiting from us doing this if women you know are not gaining happiness through this if couples are getting divorced at the end of this who's making um who's benefiting and it's, de it's definitely not the individuals it's not society either because for every divorce you know there's this heartbreak and then there's children it's it, it causes a lot of um turmoil for families you know and so again looking thinking of the um you know again it's there's so many it's so interesting that since the sexual revolution of the 60s mm -hmm. as fathers you know you can see the um you know because i'm sure you know i've spoken about this previously but you know the the rise in pornography the rise in um violence against women the rise in um uh oh, what's what eating disorders has increased it's interesting that they both kind of go on the same trajectory and you have to question why it's not a coincidence that women the women well-being of women has not improved since the sexual revolution but that's another podcast um, um but so what do you think of um the apps that brand themselves as halal dating apps have you come across them i uh, know people who have used them and you know by and large they have not been successful for you know the people that i've seen using them it's mm -hmm. it's a last resort it's kind of it it really i think so the way that i understand these apps is that it's a short-term solution to a deeper problem and two they they essentially just capture western dating practices but add a little bit of islamic flavor mm -hmm. because these apps you know have your picture on there you have your height your weight you know and, and just like very super official interests about yourself and it's sad because you know that's a problem a lot of people on these apps are just looking for a quick you know a quick <laughs> a physical relationship they're not mm -hmm. looking anymore you're kind of putting yourself on there just like as a product uh, yes. to be to be consumed but at the same time you know you mentioned earlier a lot of people feel like what's what's the alternative right if you're especially if you're a revert or if you're in a small community where there's not a lot of muslims what can you do to get into to to know other muslims right mm -hmm. but uh i do think that we can talk about that but um yeah halal quote-unquote dating apps i don't i i'm not fond of them for the reasons that i mentioned um yeah that seems to be the consensus with when i've spoken <laughs> to that these are not They've just branded themselves. They found that there's, you know, in marketing, they always say when you're thinking of a business idea, find a niche, you know, mm -hmm. niche down and, and then find um, a product that no, there's a need, but no one's selling it. That's the best kind of product you can have. And that's what it looks like to me. And um, when I even see the figures, six is, I don't know, 60,000 marriages because of this app. And I think, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see the data on that. Can you provide us with some facts, please? Because um, it just seems bizarre because no one and everyone else is saying it's definitely doesn't come across as Islamic. Um, so then, OK, so what could, for example, Islamic institutions, how could they facilitate single Muslims who want to get married? What could they be doing? Mm -hmm. This is a good question. Um, there's a couple of institutions here, like seminaries that have been trying, especially during the pandemic. Um, where people aren't, you know, we're not going to conferences or any kind of Muslim quote unquote, quote unquote event. Um, they've been doing uh, events, uh, online events where they're giving like a series of talks on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's marriages and, um, and having um, 
you know, breakout sessions with different people and there's a TA overlooking a conversation and people can kind of get to know each other. And then, you know, if you're interested in someone, you can, you can message the teacher and say, hey, I'm interested in so-and-so. Mm -hmm. It's a very blunt force method, but I mm -hmm. think there is something to be said about facilitating an organic kind of network. And I know that MSAs and a lot of other environments, and, and I say this very hesitantly, I know there's issues there, um, but I do think there's a lot of potential in, in those kinds of environments where uh, programs um, and, and kind of just being re revolving it around the masjid and, and revolving it around, um, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, and, and that's how I met my husband. I met him through a person that I knew at a program. Um, so when we, when you, we all need to develop this mindset of community, so keeping an eye out for one another um, mm. and, and knowing, oh, this person's looking, you know, I know someone who knows someone who, who's also looking. And also these institutions, I think, I really do think there is potential for them to do, to kind of have, you know, events that can facilitate this. Because um, you'd rather have it be there under the supervision of people who are knowledgeable than, you know, very randomly in some university, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. I think, you know, some people cringe at it. They think it's a little cheesy or a little tacky, but I do think it's pref preferable to dating apps to, yes. um, to, to, you know, any kind of other event, you know, at a movie theater or whatever, right? Yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Um, in so a controlled environment like that. So, so are there any, um, are there any books that you would recommend um, listeners reading to, you know, to, uh, prior to getting married or even after marriage? Is there anything good that you read? So I, this is a bit of a tangent, I heavily recommend premarital counseling. Um, oh, okay. With a Muslim, like someone who's not Muslim specifically, because um, non-Muslims, usually they don't understand our cultural context enough to be able to give advice on specific issues. Um, so someone who's trained in both, you know, psychology and therapy and has somewhat of a background in these systemic sciences. So mm -hmm. that's one thing I really recommend. Um, but yeah, in terms of books, I read The Muslim Marriage Guide by Ruqayya Maqsood and The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work by Gottman. I forgot his first name. Mm -hmm. um, and they were helpful. The seven principles one, it's written by a non-Muslim, but he, he actually studied divorces um, and, and did research around, you know, why people get divorced and what are issues um, that cause it. So I found it helpful. Um, it's interesting, even if he's not Muslim, there's a lot in there about that, you know, about communication and about, you know, a lot of these everyday things you know, putting in effort and understanding one's love languages and all of that. And then, of course, the Muslim marriage guide uh, that takes a specifically an Islamic perspective. So everything from understanding our roles as a husband and wife, as Muslims, um, to to family, to, um, you know, some fiqh and and kind of approaching it that way. So that's also another good book I would recommend. Mm -hmm. Okay. That I think they... I think I've come across with okay, Maksu's book, but I, I'll definitely look up Got. How do you spell Gottman? Is it G-O-T-M-A-N? Uh, two T's. G-O-T-T-M-A-N. Okay, inshallah. for that. Okay, and so, um, so, so traversing tradition. Oh, I can't say tra traversing tradition. Dot com. That's where 
um, if you do, do you write for that as well as mar taking part in the marketing? Yeah, I've written a few articles on um, bioethics and uh, some, a couple book reviews. So I write when I can. Um, mm -hmm. But if anyone's interested in submitting as well or just getting involved, uh, you know, feel free to reach out. This is a project I'm very passionate about and uh, inshallah, very open to feedback and any kind of um, critique. Okay. Inshallah. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to speak again soon, inshallah. Yeah, Jazakallah khairan for having me on. It was very nice to meet you. Alhamdulillah. Okay then, assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. This episode is brought to you by farhatamin.com, a website that specializes in Islamic stickers, Muslim activity books, as well as Ramadan and e-decorations. Wholesale and reseller inquiries are also welcome. So visit farhatamin.com today.